Welcome to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create your dream business so you can live the dream lifestyle that you want and deserve. Yes, success is not only possible, you deserve success. And now, welcome the dream business coach, Jim Palmer. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are great things in any business. I am your host, Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and I'm always committed to helping you build a more profitable business fast. I'm really excited about this week's show. My special guest is the CEO of Venture First. His name is John Shoemate. Let me tell you a little bit about John and we'll bring him right on. He is, as I said, the Chief Executive Officer of Venture First and has focused his career on working closely with venture-backed companies. He has worked with hundreds of early and growth stage companies across many industries, many of them dealing with highly technical products or business models. He believes strongly in the use of carefully applied rigor to rationalize financial models, business plans, valuations, and other quantification tools. He has over a decade of financial experience, including buy-side and sell-side mergers and acquisitions, debt and equity capital raises, strategic consulting, complex financial modeling, business plan development, equity and derivative valuation, and venture incubation. My goodness, <laughs> that is a mouthful, that sentence right there. John attended the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, and uh, where he received a, a Bachelor's of Science in Economics and dual concentrations in finance and management. John, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. My pleasure. If I had to grade guests by how many uh, big words I had to say in the intro, you're you're by far at the top of the heap, my friend. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know about that. I try to figure it out every day as I go. <laughs> so, uh, so Wharton School, I'm I'm in uh, Chester County, Pennsylvania. So, are you in the Pennsylvania area now, or or is that just where you went to school? Yeah, no, I, I'm I, I'm not now, but I, I love to love to get there whenever I can. It's a it's a great area. Were, were you a fan of the cheesesteaks or not? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny, you, you know, you go you go other places in the country, and they want to you know, stick a lettuce, lettuce and tomato or mayo on them or something like that, and I just shake my head. So I, I don't I usually don't get them if I'm not in, in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, go down to go down to Houston, and I think they're sticking like ranch dressing on or something. Ah, oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you know, I'm really I'm um, I'm excited. We talk a lot about marketing on the show and stuff, and but um, you know, I'm I'm just so interested. Of course, you know, there was the extreme popularity of Shark Tank and you know, looking for uh, venture capitalists and people investing and things like that. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, John, so you work both sides of the aisle. You you help people find um, venture capitalists, and then you also help with valuations and things like that. Yeah, that's right. So so we're not the ones writing the checks, but uh, we're, we're, we're often the go-between. So, uh, you know, uh, early on, you know, my group built up, uh, you know, a a nice practice doing a lot of uh, valuation work. So we work with venture capital groups, angel groups, uh, some private uh, later stage private equity groups all over the country, uh, helping them on the valuation side. And, you know, they'll need to value uh, shares when they're, you know, issuing options to management or valuing their portfolios for, for their investors or spinning a company out or all sorts of reasons. And, and as a result, you know, we, we do good work and we've developed really good relationships with them. 
and, and so then on the other side, you know, as we're as we're working with uh, uh, you know some interesting early stage companies out there, uh, you know, for 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 those special ones out there that, that we really like, uh, sometimes we'll get in there and uh, and help them fundraise as well and sort of uh, play matchmaker, if you will. Well, that's pretty interesting. So, you know, if if you're a small business owner, well, let me ask you this: Are are a lot of the deals, or a majority of the deals, in the tech space, or is that oversimplification? Are you like all, you know, many many different industries? Well, we don't we don't limit ourselves, but the the majority of them are technology or healthcare in, in early stage. Every once in a while, we see something that's really compelling that's outside of that, uh, but, but that's that's the vast majority of them. Gotcha. What is the average age of a, a company that you work for, or that that hires you, I should say? Oh, um, you know, I, I'd say I'd say maybe maybe uh, two or three years old is probably the average. You know, we, we get anywhere from uh, folks doing their, their 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 seed stage, just kicking off, um, and, and we work with some other you know growing companies that have been around you know for a decade. Um, but, 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 you know, we're, we're certainly not typically working with later stage companies that have been around for a super long time. Gotcha. When did you get into this space? And is this something you got, um, you kind of got familiar with at, at Wharton or what, what, what led you to this, um, field? Well, well, I got, I, you know, I, I obviously learned a, a lot of the, the mechanics at Wharton. Um, and, uh, and that's a, a great place for sort of classical, uh, uh, you know, uh, financial training. Uh, but, you know, Wharton really pushes most of their graduates to Wall Street. Uh, and, and it wasn't something that interested me in, uh, as much. And, you know, I know love, people love getting, you know, to work on, you know, the Pepsi deal or, or, or whatever it is. But, um, you know, th- those, those companies are great. But, you know, for me, it's just way more interesting working on someone who's developing, you know, the next cancer cure or, you know, the next really cool, cool, uh, you know, uh, social uh, media tool, and, uh, and and you know, I'm I'm better at helping people from 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 zero to sixty than you know, in race terms from from sixty to two hundred. And so, you know, I, I instead of going the Wall Street route, I I, I went to work uh, for a, a group called B Catalyst, which was an incubator, uh, right out of school. So I, you know, I, I I was working with early stage companies early on and. You know, we 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 sort of transitioned that more into a, a services business, or doing more investment bank-like activities for early-stage companies. What are some of the exciting things you're seeing in the whole venture uh, market area? Oh, well, I mean, there's there's all there's all sorts of uh, exciting things. Um, you know, obviously seeing uh, you know uh, you know genetics uh, in, in in life science companies. Um, uh, especially around data plays, you know, using, uh, you know, using the genome to, to, to customize uh, your, your cancer cure, I think is really exciting. Um, you know, we, we see, um, um, you know, some really, in, we're seeing some really interesting sort of network and, 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 and marketplaces um, out there, um, you know, uh, especially in the healthcare space, but, uh, but, but in other places as well. And you know, there's just look. There's a lot of smart people out there coming up with with new cool things. So um, it, it's always evolving. Is there ever um, a better time to to be looking to uh, to grow fast and, and and need capital, or is it you know whenever you know you know what I mean? Some people are like, well, I should probably wait a year or two. But you know, is it is it? I guess a lot of that depends on what the product is or something like that. 
Well, yeah, I guess the short answer is depends, but 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 really, I mean, if you're if you're raising money, and and if you're an early stage company, you're 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 probably perpetually raising money. Uh, yeah, you you it, it's better if you're if you're if you're growing uh, at a time when, and the capital markets are loose and not tight. All right, I mean, it wasn't too long ago we came off uh, a pretty tight debt market, um, which is which is loosened up uh, significantly. So that's not a major concern. I think if you look at the early stage space, there's been this, uh, you know, this over exuberance over unicorns and uh, and uh, sort of, uh, you know, an allowance, uh, you know, letting uh, early stage CEOs um, kind of spend away w- without uh, a whole lot of uh, accountability. And, and I think that uh, is th- that patience is drying up a little bit. So I, I think there will probably be a little bit of tightening. Um, in the in the uh, in the venture equity markets, um, as LPs uh, sort of rein in their venture capital investments and in turn those VCs, uh, you know, uh, tighten up their investments. But at the end of the day, I don't buy for a second that that's you know good companies get funded. Um, you know, it, it it might be a question of what valuation you're getting or what terms, but good companies will get funded. Right. Um, you mentioned earlier about um, healthcare, you know, cancer cures and things like that. You know, I don't. You may not want to go go here, but I'm going to ask it. You know, you always read. Sometimes I'm a three-time cancer survivor, so I'm kind of a little into that. But you see where well, I'm a, I'm a will... current cancer patient, so I'm really into it. Oh, are you really? Okay. Oh so, yeah. You know, we there's, can talk this there's all day the... long. Okay, I'm glad I'm glad I brought it up then. You know, some people will say, well, there's such big pressure like from pharmaceutical and drug companies not to find a cure, which appalls me if that's the case, but I mean, do you have any experience with that or is it like if somebody I mean, if somebody smart came along, they're you know, with the right funding, they're they're going to just cure cancer. Is that a possibility, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't I don't buy that philosophy for a second. And and, and you'll okay. get and you'll you'll get uh you'll get these uh sort of conspiracy theories from people that oh you know it's just new new good nutrition or and doctors don't want you to know that or or it's uh it's you know there there are these secret cancer cures out there and the pharmaceutical industry is holding those back because you know they're not going to profit off people if uh if that happens it, it's just nonsense i mean uh, uh yes there are problems in the pharmaceutical space um but um I, I will tell you i've i've uh, i've had the opportunity to 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 uh uh, uh not only in a professional sense uh but as a patient and, and actually on a very personal level uh, you know get to know some of the top oncologists on the planet and you know i know a lot of the folks at, at Sloan Kettering and MD Anderson and and some of the centers around the country and and even some internationally and you know what you see is some extremely obscenely smart people uh trying to fix some big problems and uh i i i think 99% of these people um you know they're in clinic with uh with uh people that are under their care and, and they absolutely want to do the best thing for them and let me be clear these people are brilliant and could make way more money doing anything other than what they're doing that's not why they're doing this and so, gotcha. um, you know, the thought that they're not doing the best thing for the patients is, is frankly ridiculous. Now, I will say I have been in, uh, in, in, in pharmaceutical company board meetings or on, uh, on, on deal-related calls uh, where uh, uh, 
there, there are conversations that would surprise you. I've seen conversations, uh, uh, you know, let's call it in the pain and addiction space, um, as far as uh, how they're how they're placing a drug that would appall you. It would appall the public. Uh, so th- I'm not saying that there aren't some problems there, but look, these companies at the end of the day, if, if they can, if they think they can go out and, and make money, uh, uh, you know, finding a cure for something. They'll absolutely do that. And there's so many new patients coming through that, that they absolutely can. I'm glad I asked. Well, I, I hope things are uh, hope things are looking bright for you. Um, how, what do you what are we um, are we in some kind of a bubble? Do you think a value, early stage valuation bubble, or what's going on with um, you know with with a lot of deals you're looking at and evaluating? You know, everyone talks about that right now, and, and I, I really don't think so much. I, I think we might be in a bubble that might deflate a little bit, but it's certainly not going to pop. I mean, look, yes, if you look at the unicorns, if you look at some of these IPOs and some of these deals, if you look at the Ubers of the world, yes, some of those prices are inflated. But I don't think that's, that's uh, you know, uh, something that's indicative of a lot of the other uh, really solid startups that are, that are out there that are more fundamentally priced. As as I spoke about uh, a couple of minutes ago, yes, if there's a, a you know some some pullback on the funding, uh, either on the debt or equity side, uh, yes, I, I I think that might affect valuations a little bit. But I, I don't I don't expect there to be any any uh, dramatic downward movement there for good companies. Maybe maybe the fluffy ones will have a little bit of difficulty. How are early stage valuations like? How do, how are they conducted? I mean, it, it's I guess a lot of it is uh, almost like crystal ball thinking, isn't it? Especially in the healthcare or the tech space. I mean, there must be some there must be some formulas you use, I would think. Well, it, it, again, it, it depends on the type of company, and it depends on on for the purpose uh, that, that you're doing it for. So, I mean, you know, if we're if we're uh, valuing uh, you know uh, a management option. Uh, on, on a company that that's just done uh, around, you know, we'll you know we'll, we'll kind of use black shoals or some complex pricing methods to, you know, kind of imply what the what the uh, the option strike should be, and, and there's all sorts of rigorous methods. I mean, you, you know, you can obviously always go out and look at at, at, at what public if you have any any uh, comparable public companies, what they're trading for as as far as a multiple of revenue or a multiple of EBITDA, and you can do the same thing for you know, private companies that have sold. Um, and so, you know, I, I think all that's appropriate if you're if you're selling a company, if you're buying another company, or if you're issuing options. I, I think some of those rigorous methods absolutely apply, and we do a lot of that work. Um, I, I think when I think for the most part, and there's exceptions to this, but I think for the most part, when companies are going out and raising at a very early stage uh, equity financing. I think they're they're it, 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 it's to a large extent a, a function of what the investor's comfortable with, and sometimes what geography they're in. Um, you know, if you're in uh, if you're in uh, you know Austin uh, or, or, or Raleigh, uh, you know, there's a lot of great companies there, but you might get uh, a very different uh, you know pre-money than than you would in Silicon Valley or even uh, or even New York or Boston. Um, so you know, some of it is. Uh, you know, you can rationalize all day long what a company's worth on some of those stages, uh, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, the investor's going to kind of pay uh, what what they're used to. 
And there's right. exceptions to that. There's exceptions to that. Uh, you know, if you have, a, 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 you know, a, a long-term uh, play on the pharmaceutical side and you're going to need probably multiple tranches of capital to, you know, to, to, to get a drug completely developed, um, you, you know, there's a lot of looking at probabilities of successful outcomes and, and secondary outcomes and even tertiary outcomes and what, and what the technology is worth in each of those, and, and that's something where, um, you know, the, the, the founder and the, and, and the investors have to have a, a meeting in the minds. Gotcha. Um, John, why do you think most startups fail? They run out of cash. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons, bad management, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, bad business model, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, let's just assume for a second that you have some competent management. If you have enough cash, it, you know, you can you can change your business model. You can, I mean, look, there there's good management out. There are funds that, that that back good management teams who don't even know what their business model is. They say, we're going to give you some cash, go deploy it. And those funds exist. So, you know, at the end of the day, if management knows what they're doing um, and is good at blocking and tackling, you just need to buy time. And and, and cash effectively equates to time in early-stage companies. And so um, the, the, the good business models that I see with decent management that fail, it's almost always because they ran out of cash. They said, well... Let's we'll, let's raise a little bit less than we probably need. I don't want to take the dilution or or, or or whatever it is, and they run it close. They don't run it close. It's always going to take longer than you think. It's always going to cost a little bit more money than you think. You know, you're going to get some opportunity, and you want some cash to make a little acquisition or, or change something in strategy. There's always going to be something that's unexpected that you want to do. So I always say, yeah, you know, raise 18 months of capital. That's the rule of thumb that I use. Um, because you know, if it takes you up to six months to raise capital, you want a year to uh, to be free and clear just to operate and not to worry about it. But I, I'd really pad it. I'd raise more than you need, uh, and, uh, and and don't run it close. What do you have any uh, tips for raising um, capital? <laughs> Find some rich <laughs> friends. Yeah, there you go. Hello, Dad. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no. Look, uh, uh, you know, the, the best thing you could do is uh, is find some, uh, you know, whether it's angel investors or, or, or venture capital investors who really know the space, who are really smart. Um, don't like act like you know everything. Um, you know, they uh, they 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 know that no matter how good a company is, that there will be problems. And uh, and and you will need to work together with your investors, and so they want they want coachable entrepreneurs. So, you know, don't don't be headstrong. Listen to their feedback, and and just be sincere and talk through the the, the business model with them. And I and I think you know it, it sounds uh, it sounds corny, but I think that works the best. And uh, you know if if uh, if if you can get a warm intro to investors from other entrepreneurs you know or other investors you know. That's always best, and if you can't do that, uh, you know, and you're, and you're doing cold outreach, I would, uh, you know, I'd I'd uh, I'd look at, uh, at at what investors have invested in before, and find investors who have invested in companies like yours before, and they'll probably be interested in yours. 
Do you, when someone comes to you, um, to a company, the you know, a, a startup, or whatever, and they're saying, "Hey, can you help us find?" So you, go, I'm sure you got a whole procedure. You go through the valuation, et cetera. Do you also go and represent them to close the deal? Do you coach them on how to close the deal? Is it? And, and part two, I guess, of the question, John, is if if you're there, do people really just want to hear from the owner, founder, the you know, the inventor, so to speak, or? Or is it cool to have? Are you guys almost like attorneys in the room, so to speak? What's that? What's that look like? Yeah, no, we're 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 really advisors, and and by advisor I mean coaches more than anything. You know, at the end of the at the end of the day, uh, nobody wants to invest in a company where where uh, the words aren't going to come out of the founder's mouth. The founder needs to be able to impress everybody in the room, needs to impress them that they're smart, they're hardworking, they're going to take the coaching, and they're going to be the one that runs with the ball. You know, I can be there to suggest terms uh, on valuation or deal structure, and I can, you know, help them think about how they want to craft their pitch. Uh, I can help them think about, uh, you know, who they want to talk to, uh, investors. I can make even make some intros. Um, but at, at the end of the day, uh uh, the founders have got to do it. They're they're the only ones who can uh, walk through the gate. Yeah, I would think that. You know, um, so I don't know if you. I'd be curious if you think this is just oversimplification, editing in Hollywood, whatever. But do you watch the Shark Tank? Do you like that show? <laughs> uh, I watched <laughs> it one time and I thought it was horrendous. But I I I I I, I, under, I understand uh, I, I understand the show quality to it. You know, I, I think I heard. You know, they. I think they take you know, five or six times as long to do it, and then they they edit it down. I'm I'm not one of those people that gets a a lot of mileage out of that the, the flash and the whiz and the bang. But look, I mean, right. the, the, those are those are those are those are some some smart people in that room. I I, I think frankly that it is healthy uh, for the public to 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 see that process and and to think about. Uh, how people innovate and how they get investors, and do they ham it up a little bit there more than those same people do in, uh, investors do in real life? Uh, yeah, they probably do. And so, you know, I, I roll my eyes a little bit, but at the same time, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of common themes from that, and I, you know, I, I think it's you know great for people to watch. And, and you know, if there's anybody with half a brain picks up any lessons, you have to know your numbers inside and out. That's that's what I take. know your know your numbers and uh, and I'll tell you even if you're not going to get super sophisticated about it I I would advise everybody to to sit down and think through a pretty granular bottoms up financial model you know uh, don't say hey you know this is what the market for this widget is and if I just get two percent of that market I'm going to be a millionaire uh, no yeah. you need to say look this is where I think the price point is and why. This is how many units I'm going to get in what months, and this is how I'm going to acquire those units, right? Uh, I'm going to have to pay for this many click-throughs, or I'm going to have to hire this many salespeople, and this is how long it's going to take them to close a lead. And, uh, you know, you do that on the revenue side and, and build up the expenses the same way. And, and there's a 100% chance that you're going to be wrong. But if you think through that carefully – and you do that on a regular basis, um, you're going to be a better steward of your company, and that's going to come across when you're talking to investors as well. I think you're right there. What kind of tools do you use to help run your business? I mean, you, you must have 
I don't know how many deals you're doing at any one time, but I imagine you got more than one. What do you use to keep yourself organized? Yeah, so we uh, we, we we like to use Asana as uh, as a, sort of a, a process management tool, a workflow management tool, if you will. Uh, we use you know HubSpot as a CRM. Uh, we like to use uh, MixMax for scheduling and and and, and tracking uh, emails and, and and those sorts of things. Um, we use uh, we use PitchBook um, and uh, and to a certain extent S&P's Cap IQ for for our data needs to to have really good data on the valuation and, uh, and analytics side. Th- those are a little pricier. Um, you know, if if you if you want sort of the cheap or free versions of those, uh, you know, Venture Deal I think is 25 bucks a month and that's got really good. Uh, data on, uh, on on deals in the venture space. If you're looking for similar companies and, and who's been funded, and uh, you know, you can always use Yahoo Finance or, or something like that as well. Gotcha. What what, what would be um, if I said, Hey, John, uh, what was the most fun deal that you put together? Does one name pop up? Ooh, I don't know. I think that's kind of like asking which 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 child is your favorite child. Uh, <laughs> okay, you know, I don't. That's probably unfair. Do that one. I, I I think you know for for me the healthcare ones, the life science ones uh, probably resonate a little bit more. You know, if you have if you have a chance to go out and save lives, uh, you know, uh, even even if you're only part of that on the finance side, uh, I, I think that's really exciting. So uh, I'll I'll, just, I'll say that bucket might be the favorite. <laughs> there you go. You know, um, uh, my fourth book was called It's Okay to Be Scared But Never Give Up. It's the book that sold the least quantity, but um, in some ways it was uh, – we told uh, my story of early detection, and then I interviewed some other entrepreneurs who had some major struggles just to give some perspective to folks who are struggling. And, and I did get a – I got an email from somebody six months after we published the book and said my husband read the book. He was having kind of shortness of breath, didn't, didn't chalk it up to anything, but he went to his doctor, his regular doctor. The doctor immediately drove him to the ER where he had emergency uh, bypass or put the, the balloon you know, thing in there. And the doctor sure. said, uh, man, if you hadn't come in, you probably wouldn't be around in 30 days. So the lady goes, You're, if it wasn't for your book, uh, my husband wouldn't have seen his 45th birthday. So you know, I, I see what you're saying You know, when you're in the – not that I'm in the life. Hey, you got to you got to mark that one up on the scoreboard, man. I mean, I'll uh, tell you what. I, I don't care if I sold another book. That was more powerful than selling five thousand books. Is to, to get a compliment like that. That was really powerful. You know, it's interesting. I, I've helped fundraise for a couple clinical trials that that, that, that have saved a couple lives, and uh, and uh, so I, I don't have a big tally on that. But but, but that's that, that's one that I'm trying to. Uh, that's a tally I'm trying to grow in life. So. So maybe a cool. sign of projects to come. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. It's been uh, pretty educational. It's a little different show than I usually do, but I like I like uh, talking to some interesting folks. Um, so, John, if people are, uh, would like to connect with you and, and learn more about you and, and what you do, what would be a good website for that? Yeah, ch- check us out on VentureFirst.com. If you want to email me, I'm John at VentureFirst.com. And, you know, I probably give out way too much free advice. If, if you want to give me a shout and uh, – do a free consultation, or you know, you know, you know, ask something about your valuation, or how you how you're thinking about raising money, or that sort of stuff. Uh, we would love to would love to chat with you. I get a lot of energy talking to talking to uh, uh, budding entrepreneurs. So I appreciate that, John. Thank you very much. Continued success and uh, continued good health to you. Thank you. You too.
All right, man. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with the CEO of Venture First, John Shoemate. Remember, Stick Like Glue is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. That is a wrap. Watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio this time next week. Until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Hey, take care, everybody. For more information and free resources on how to create your dream business, connect with Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, at www.getjimpalmer.com. And be sure to check out Dream Business Coach TV, powerful two-minute videos filled with Jim's unique smart marketing and business building advice. See them all at www.dreambizcoach.tv. That's www.dreambizcoach.tv. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue Radio. And remember, success is not only possible, you deserve success.